Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. The Lord spoke that through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. It's an amazing promise that I cling to and that propels me in my life. And it is the focus of this podcast, the Gaining Strength podcast. Welcome to our podcast today. And we pray that you will find strength in the midst of what you hear this day. God bless you. into this and as we do my prayer is that you grasp hold of something of faith and of something of an unction to pursue and apply it in your life in your thinking in your heart and in your words and how you how you carry yourself and I'm praying that it encourages you and I'm praying that it also gives you a a, a sense of Lord I, I want you to use me like that I want you to move through me like that, and you would that you would offer yourself to him to be a, a tool of ministry in that way. And uh, we're gonna start in Acts 14. In fact, this, this word that I'm about to preach started right here. I was reading uh, Acts 14 verses 8 to 10, and I just had this one phrase highlighted to me, and that was became a jumping off point for me as I was excited by the word and wanted to pursue what the Holy Spirit was saying. So, Acts 14, verses 8 through 10. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man, the lame man, was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him, had seen that he had faith to be made well, and said with a loud voice, Paul did, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. And so well, the phrase that caught in my, in my heart as something from the Spirit of God, Paul saw that this man had faith to be healed. He saw that he had faith to be made well. Paul, there was something that Paul could see. And I wrote down in my journal, seeing faith. <laughs> and, and you can think about that two ways. Paul could see faith in the man. Something spiritual. You know, I don't know what he saw. I don't know what physical evidence the man might have demonstrated in his body that Paul would see that, but I think it was probably something spiritual. I think Paul saw something with the eyes of his spirit that let him know, and he knew, too. He didn't lay hands on the man. He didn't pray, O Lord, if it be thy will, let this man walk. All he did was say, stand up. And he really just encouraged the guy to stand on the faith that Paul could see in him. And so there's, we've heard this expression, eyes of faith, and we want the Lord to enlighten and give us eyes of faith, but, but we want, I want, when I read that, it was like, I want to be able to see that in people. I want to be able to know. And so there's something deep there that I think the Lord wants us to grasp hold of, he wants us to grasp hold of that ability to see faith, and he wants us to grab hold of the ability to see by faith. Are they two different things? I think maybe, maybe they're functions of the same thing, but, but that's where I, I just grabbed hold of that. And I wanted to, to talk about two, two words in, in the Greek, one, and I don't know how to pronounce them. It's just one word for seeing looks like blepo, B-L-E-P-O. That sounds like a cute name for a dog. Blepo is the word. And then the other word is ido or edo. It's E-I-D-O. Like I said, I, I don't know how to pronounce them. But there are two words in the Greek for seeing. Okay? And the blepo word is 
the ability to see with your eyes. It's, it's physical vision, you know, the vision that you have because you have eyes in your head. That's the first word, blepo. The other one, the E-I-D-O, maybe it's I do, I don't know, I-do, uh, is, is to see in the way that you know on the inside. It's a type of perceiving, okay? So when you see that word used in scripture, it's a deeper kind of seeing. It's, it's a seeing with your heart, and that's what Paul had. He had that ability to perceive, and, and don't you know, I am quite confident that he perceived because of the Holy Spirit inside of him. The Holy Spirit granted him that ability to see that in that man and to, and to know. Like, perhaps it was a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit spoke inside of him. Perhaps... Perhaps he just, he just, you know, sometimes the Lord will give you something and you'll just know it without having thought about it, without having worked it out, and you'll just know. And, and I want to look at briefly Matthew 13 just to point out some examples of these words that I just talked about. So Matthew 13, if you look at Matthew 13, 13, and 14, it's saying, Therefore I speak to them in perils, this is Jesus, Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In this verse, the blepo word, the seeing with your physical eyes, is, is the first part. That they can see with their physical eyes, they can see with their physical eyes, but then you go down to the word understand, and that's the other word for perceiving, that, that ido or ido word. And, and so Jesus is, is, is saying they can see with their physical eyes, but their heart they can't see. They can't know. They can't perceive. And in verse 14, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. And there's the two words side by side in the same verse. They can see with their physical eyes, but they can't perceive it. And when you come down to verse 19 in the same chapter, Jesus is also giving an explanation. He's saying, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, meaning their hearts can't see it, their heart can't grasp it, they can't perceive, they can't perceive the truth that's in the word. They can't get it. And then verse 23, moving on, same chapter. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and what? Understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. And that understanding word is that, that same idea of being able to perceive it. So when God speaks, it is absolutely essential. Or when you read the word where God has already spoken and it's been written, it is absolutely essential that you be able to perceive in your heart. Because if you can't, you won't be able to bear fruit. How many of us want a fruitful life? I think we all want a fruitful life. And so it, it, it behooves us, it compels us, to ask the Lord and to give ourselves to this ability to perceive and understand by the Spirit. One of the, one of the absolute essential things that our pastors have been trying to, to get into us is you need, need, like, like you need air to breathe, like you need food to eat, like you need water to drink, you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to grasp and to perceive this. And Jesus had talked earlier in the same chapter about why he spoke in parables. And, it, and, and it, he tells us in, in so many words, the reason he spoke in parables is so there could be a separation between those who will engage their faith and those who are not engaging their faith. And so we have this need to understand, we have this need to perceive, to be able to be fruitful, to be able to be saved, to be able, and, and it's, it's connected to faith. Everything in the kingdom, you know this, everything in the kingdom that you're going to receive or walk in hinges 
upon you putting your faith in that. So we're going to talk a little bit about, about all that stuff. I want to go to, next to Hebrews 11. And we're going to talk about several verses in this chapter related to the things that I, that I just shared. Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things what? Not seen. Things you can't see with your physical eyes. Things that these eyes can't see. It has to be something that's going on in your heart. For it, meaning faith, for by it, the men of old gained approval. Or some of your Bibles say, uh, gave them a testimony. They, they got a testimony because they believed, because they, because they enacted their faith. And verse 3, by faith we understand. What's that? That's perceiving. By faith we perceive. The perception of the deep work of God and what he wants to accomplish, what he wants to do, happens by faith. By faith we perceive. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of those things which are visible. So all that we see and know in this world came into existence because of things that are invisible. And, and we are so attached to what we see. We are so focused and, and almost uh, wrapped up in what, what is, I guess, tied to. We are so tied to what we see with these eyes. And, it's, and it comes about because we're born into brokenness. We're born into corruption. We're born with a sinful nature. We're born sort of blinded, I guess you could say. Born blind. To the, to the invisible things. We can't see them. We can't perceive them un, until there's a gift of faith that each person has. And when that gift of faith connects with a word that God speaks, and then there's an opportunity to believe, an opportunity to respond, an opportunity to act upon that word. And that happens with everything. Everything in the kingdom. Everything we want to pray for. Everything we want to minister to. I mean... How many times have we been in a hospital room wanting to pray for somebody who's, who's ill and we're overcome by the sight, by the smell, by the machines, the tubes, the everything. I remember going up to pray for a, a, a former student and she had a baby. I walked in the room and I was so overcome by what I saw and what I smelled I almost passed out. That little baby with tubes coming out every place of it and tumors all over its body. And I mean, just, it was awful. And I am sad to say, I, I, every time I started to pray, I almost blacked out. And, and, and I had to leave the room. I'm, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm so sad that I, and the baby passed away. Thank God we know and have hope that, that that little one is in the arms of Jesus, but I don't ever want to be so attached to what I'm seeing and smelling that I can't pray the prayer of faith. And so I'm just confessing. I have a need to grow in this area. I have a need to become detached from that soulish, physical thing and be rooted and grow in the Spirit of God so that I can speak and pray by faith and know that what the unseen things are more powerful than the things that we see. We have to get to that place. Just let me repeat verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word, the spoken word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And so the Understanding is, everything that's visible was made out of things that were invisible because God spoke. God's word. I hope that, that underscores the importance of the word of God in you. And the word of God that needs to dwell and reign, R-E-I-G-N, inside of, inside of us. Let's go down to verse 7. I'm going to read 7 to 10. 
By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. There you go. Noah hadn't seen, Noah hadn't understood, Noah hadn't whatever. All he did was he received a word from God. He received a warning from God. He received uh, advance notice from God. It was a spiritual thing that God put inside of him. So by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned, or some scriptures say judged the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I love, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I keep my phone next to me when I'm studying because I have an app on the phone called eSword. And every time I'm, uh, there are many, many times when I'm reading when, when a word gets highlighted to me, my, my spirit quickens, and I'll immediately open up eSword and it, it has all of the words in the Bible in the King James, and it has them all listed with the Strong's number next to it, the concordance that tells us what the Hebrew, um, Hebrew translations, you know, where they came from, what they were, and the Greek, Hebrew and the Greek. And that's the only thing I have as a reference for that. I've, I've not studied Greek or Hebrew, but this, I use that to help me. That's where I got the blepo and the Edo thing from, the same app. But this word right here, where it says, by faith Noah being warned by God, it has the phrase in it in Strong's, divinely intimate. Noah was divinely intimate with God, and God was divinely intimate with him. And that's how he received from God. How much we must long and pursue divine intimacy with the Lord. He's too good not to believe. He's too good not to pursue. And so Noah had a place like that with God. And that, that place of faith, that place where God could put grace upon Noah because Noah sought intimacy with God. And then we see here, he became an heir of the righteousness. He received the, the righteousness of God because he believed God, just like Abraham. Same thing. Let me read on through verse 10. So, by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, now we're talking Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, demonstrating his faith, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. How did he know that? By the word of God, the promise of God to him. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Again, that, that, that speaks to the idea of not being able to see. Can't see it with your eyes. He didn't have a map. He didn't know. God often, probably, I mean, it's probably safe to say in everything, God is giving you opportunities to engage your faith. Day by day, he's giving you opportunities to engage the faith that you already have so that you can obey, you can bear fruit, you can bring glory to his name, and you can grow. You can grow in that divine intimacy with God and and. All he needs us to do is to grab hold of that one thing he's already shown us and put it to practice. Apply it like Abraham. He went out not knowing where he was going. What was it like for his neighbors to come up and see, and they see him packing, getting ready to go, and his neighbors saying, you know, where are you going? I don't know. Just following God. Just following the word. Huh? Yeah, right. Especially if she hadn't heard the same word. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I'm sure that was tough. Well, same thing with Noah. Spent how many years did he spend building the ark? Yeah, 100 years building an ark. And all the people around him probably making fun of him and like, what in the world are you building? It was bigger than this building. Shoo. 
That's faith. Uh, let's go to verse 13. And all these died in faith without having received the promises, or meaning the, the fulfillment of everything, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had, would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them, a city they haven't seen yet. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son, the promised one. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19, He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. I'm going to highlight a couple of things here. This phrase in verse 13, having seen them, seen the promises. They, did, they didn't receive the fulfillment of the promises. Abraham didn't see the, the, the children coming to him of the sand and the seashore and the stars in the sky. He didn't see the fulfillment of all of that, although he's probably seeing it now from heaven. But at that point, his body died not having seen the fulfillment of his promise. He obeyed God and it says, but having seen them, <laughs> he couldn't see them with his eyes. But in his heart, he saw it. In his heart, he perceived it. In his heart, he grasped it. In his heart, he rejoiced. Because he knew God was going to keep his word. Faithful. And that's the only thing God's looking for from us, to be faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I love that, having seen them and welcomed them from a distance. I think that distance is closing in and getting less and less and less as things culminate in the earth that we're seeing. And we have this chance to do the same. We have this chance to receive, perceive the word of God and act on it by faith. Be faithful. Become faithful. It says, for their desire was for a better country, a heavenly one. And, in, and, and at that point in their lives, it was invisible, not capable of seeing, being seen with their eyes. And verse uh, 18, no, 19 Verse 19 says, he considered Abraham. Abraham considered that God is able to raise people or raise Isaac from the dead. Had he ever seen that before? I don't think so. He'd never seen that with his eyes. But this, this word he considered, it means he took inventory. He took inventory in his head. It's... it's, it's it's a word that comes from the word, well, it's, I don't know how to say it again. But it's connected to the word logos. And, and we know logos is a word for word. It's a word for God's spoken word. It's a word for the written word. It's a word for who Jesus is to us, the logos of God. And, and really, we get our word logic from that word. So it's like, Abraham grasped hold of the logic of God and made it his own. And that's, that's what the Lord is asking us to do, to see and perceive the logic of God, the logos of God, and let it work inside of our lives by us acting it out, the word becoming flesh in us through our faith. Verse 24 by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. There's that seeing thing again. As seeing him who is unseen. He perceived him who is unseen. His heart grasped hold of a God that he couldn't see. And, and, and that word implies where he's seeing him. That word implies that he experienced God. Have you experienced him? When you look back, you know, I was saying earlier, when you look back at what your life was like before you met Christ, if you were, if you were like me and, and you met him at a point in your life where, you know, some of, us, some of us come to Christ so early we don't remember the difference. But I clearly, I was 17 when I met the Lord for the first time and I experienced him one night. And, and, and from time to time in our lives, we have these experiences with him. And that's what the Lord wants us to remember and wants us to build our lives upon. What you have already experienced becomes a foundation for the next level that you want to grow in. You know, we talked about, you know, uh, uh, doctrines in the church or activities of the church that keep us babies. We shouldn't be babies anymore. And, and we have to encourage one another, just like my sisters that prayed for me this week, I have to encourage one another to engage our faith and remember the things he's done for us and then so that the Lord can build upon that foundation. And, and so Moses saw him, experienced him, not just perceived him. This, is, this word is what they call it, Hebraism. It looks like the word he, Hebrew in front. A Hebraism. And that means it took the original word and by the experience of the Hebrew and the Hebrew language, they, they kind of made it into an idiomatic expression uh, like keep your eye on the ball. You know, this expression, what it meant to the Hebrews was experiencing God. He experienced the unseen God. And we have too. Verse 26, there's that word considered again. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. The reproach of Christ. Considering, that word considering is uh, to lead, to command with authority. So that's a different word than the word we talked about earlier. In, in the English, it's translated the same. Verse 19 says he considered. Verse 26 said considering. You'd think as thick looking at it in English, you'd think it was the same. And this is why I keep that Bible app close by, because in English it might look the same, but in the old, old ancient languages, sometimes they have different meanings. And to me, that changed everything for me. When I saw this word considered means to lead and to command with official authority. So Moses commanded his own thoughts. And I look right at Sheila. Think about your thoughts. We, our thoughts oftentimes are like bugs flitting around. Or you see, you ever drive and see those flocks of birds just swooping and they're all reacting to each other, but they're not going anywhere. It's kind of cool to look at in the sky, but... They're not accomplishing anything. They're wasting a lot of energy just flitting around following each other. And our thoughts can be like that. I drove through about a million bugs today in the car. There are many of them on the windshield of my car. Just flitting around in the middle of the road, waiting to get smashed on my windshield. Our thoughts can be that way, but this is indicating that we can lead our thoughts. In fact, that's how it's supposed to operate. You come to Christ, you get filled with the Spirit, and then the Spirit becomes the master of your life. God's Spirit in your spirit, and then together partnering Him, His Spirit with your spirit, and you lead your life following Him. Commanding your thoughts. That's what I needed to do when I was laying on the sofa with the wrapped up in the afghan and I was just moping. I needed to kick myself in the butt, so to speak, and get going. 
believing the word of the Lord and trusting him with things I couldn't fix myself. We need to lead our own thoughts. We need to make our minds, our emotions, our will even, yeah, 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 your will, they need to be the servant of God. They need to be the servant of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to come to that place of, I will submit my will. I will submit my emotions. I will submit my thoughts to God, to his word, to the Holy Spirit, and I will direct my life based on them. And so Moses says he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. So if we look here, verse 25, he was choosing ill treatment. He knew he's walking into a situation of persecution. He's leaving a palace. He's leaving servants. He's leaving special food and choosing to live in tents for the rest of his life walking with a stubborn people and having to live in the wilderness for we know how many years. Tough time. But he chose that. He willingly chose that rather than to lead a sinful life in the palace of, of the pharaohs, considering the reproach of Christ. And, and, and that speaks to persecution as well. And... Uh, as, as we've been hearing amazing lessons, we need to prepare ourselves and our heart and mind to be able to choose the reproach of Christ over specific freedoms, perhaps. Who knows what we're coming into? I don't know. We have to be ready to be able to say, I'd rather suffer, I'd rather die than do that. We have to be prepared for that because the times are coming that are going to force choices upon you. Be ready. Be resolved. Command your own being to be able to line up with the Word of God. Let's look at uh, Psalm 119. This is a little transition point here. Psalm 119, we're just going to look at verse 130. Some of you probably know this by heart. Some of your versions will say the entrance of God's word brings, light. brings what? Light. Brings light. We're talking about being able to see. Being able to see. Being able to see what's unseen. Being able to see what other people can't discern. Yes. And those other people that can't discern it, they like to put pressure on you. They want to laugh at you. They want to be like whatever happened with Noah. You know, thousands, I don't know how many people died in the flood. Only Noah was saved and his family, but he had to endure however many decades or 100 years of building the ark. This is how my version says, the unfolding of your words, meaning God's words, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple if the entrance of God's word brings light, it enables you to see. It enables you to perceive. And so th this is another reason to invest yourself in the scriptures. Invest yourself in the word of God. And as you daily invest yourself in the word of God, there is an increasing light happening inside of you. And you should be able to look back over your life and, and maybe there's only a landmark here and a landmark here and a landmark here scattered out over many years of your life, but you should be able to see an increasing amount of light in your life that is commensurate with the word of God you've been pursuing. As you pursue the word of God, the scriptures, and, and, and seeking to hear what he is saying, the spoken word of God, as you pursue that, and you start to obey it and respond to it, it brings more light, more light, more light, and you're growing and increasing in that light and the ability to perceive. And then you have something to base your faith on. 
You have something to base your obedience on. And you start to build a life of testimony. Of testimony that is, it's your treasure that you bring before God. That testimony he gives you. It's like, it's like asking daddy for money to buy him a Father's Day present. You know, he provides stuff for you if you'll take it and do something with it. Obedience. It says, and it gives understanding to the simple. Simple, meaning silly, naive. Imagine someone who's simple, who's naive, and, and it also say, those who are able to be seduced. Meaning people that don't have any sense that can be led around by a hook or even as simple as someone ridiculing you. They'll be able to be led around by somebody else because they're so simple-minded. But God brings light and understanding so that if you're simple-minded and silly like I have been in my life, you can become wise. You become discerning. You become full of understanding and the ability to perceive. And you think, wow, how did I get so smart? <laughs> God's word. God's word. The unfolding of his word, the entrance of his word gives light so that you can see. It provides a disclosure, an unveiling for you to be able to see things you never could have seen otherwise. Let's go to Habakkuk. Can you find Habakkuk? All right. Habakkuk 1, I want to point out something to you, and then we'll skip over to a verse in chapter 2. In, in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, it says, The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet, what? Saw. saw. Now, that means clearly that he could have gotten a vision. He could have gotten a vision. But it also means he perceived he perceived what God was showing him. And the oracle is a word that means a burden. God put a burden on Habakkuk. If the Lord has ever shown you something that's powerful and you feel like, Lord, this is too heavy for me to carry. But if he's shown it to you, he's going to give you the grace to carry it. But you're going to have to trust him. And so the Lord gave this burden as something for Habakkuk to carry. And then he starts talking to the Lord. And from one, verses 1 to 4, Habakkuk is telling God what he's thinking, how he's feeling, what he's seeing in the world around him. God answers in verses 5 to 11 what he's going to do. God shows him and tells him what's going to happen. And then Habakkuk in verse 12, he starts talking again. He gets to chapter 2. And this is the verse I want to focus on for a moment. Habakkuk is speaking. He says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And later on, the Lord does answer him, and he tells him that famous portion of record the vision, write it on tablets that the person who reads it can run, and the vision is yet for an appointed time. And, that's, and a lot of people focus on that, but I want to focus just on verse 1 for a moment and just say this to you. Will you stand on your guard post? Will you station yourself and not move from that point until you hear God? Will you show up every morning at your listening post? Will you report for duty every day with a listening ear and a willingness to obey, a willingness to, to serve Lord, I'm reporting for duty. Do you have anything you want to say to me today? Is there anything I can do for you today? What do you want to show me? I'm listening. I, I started uh, a couple of weeks ago with the kids in Sunday school, something similar, but of course very, very basic. And we just took the first day, we just took three minutes where I asked them, I put little blankets up here or there so the kids could go hide behind a blanket and, and not focus on, you know, little children especially, and big people too. They focus on other people when they're in that circumstance, and then they can't focus on God. And so they got behind their little covers, and I, and I just said, we're going to be quiet for three minutes, and we're going to ask Jesus, and we're just going to say, Jesus, if you have anything to say to me today, I'm listening. Just three minutes. 
One little girl comes back when the time was up, and, and she said, God spoke to me. And I said, what did he say? Can you share it? And she said, he told me he loved me, and that I'm beautiful. I thought I was going to cry. The next week, we did it again. Only this time, I gave him a colored pencil and a piece of paper. And I said, go, go find your spot. And Zeke, Zeke asked if he could go in the little closet. I said, okay. And uh, he wasn't in there a minute. He sticks his head out the door and he says, he says, all I see is an arrow. And I said, draw it. He goes back, closes the door and draws the arrow. But inside, my heart was leaping because I knew that came from God because I've got to read you the scripture that was our focus for that day. Are you ready for this? Here was the scripture for the day. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And he came out with his simple little picture of an arrow, and I said, God did speak to you. This is our verse for today. And I said, you are an arrow in the hand of God, and he's putting you on his bow, and he's launching you at the target that he has for you. He's seven years old. The other little girl a week before was six years old. And I, I, I chose to start doing that with the kids because I was interviewing a missionary for a podcast, and, and I said to them, Eric, I said, you have five children between the ages of 12 and 24, and they're all on fire for the Lord, all of them. They, have, they, they came to know the Lord at an early age, and they have never wavered but continued to grow and grow and grow, and I've just been so amazed at his family. In fact, his oldest, a 24-year-old, this week just got set forth. She's going to be a missionary in Japan. Their family's been missionaries. She grew up on the mission field in the Philippines. And I said, Eric, what have you done that has helped your kids be, stay true to the Lord all this time in their life? And he said, well, Cheryl, my wife and I, from a very early age, we taught them to hear the voice of the Lord. We taught them to hear the voice of the Lord. And they developed their own relationship with the Holy Spirit. And once they got that relationship with the Holy Spirit and they're hearing Him, they have their own relationship with God, face to face. I, I, that just undid me, and I wanted to try to apply it in Sunday school. And I, I encourage you to do some stuff like that. Ask the Lord with your children, your grandchildren, whoever you have influence over, and especially, like Habakkuk, station yourself at your post. Report for duty. Report for the orders. Ask the Lord. Maybe you won't hear anything today. Or maybe you'll have a picture of an arrow in your mind and that imagination in your face. But whatever you get, write it down, draw it, whatever it is, and, and be persistent in that place so you can hear what he will say. I want to go back to that verse in Hebrews uh, eleven thirteen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having welcomed them from a distance. I want to key on that phrase for a minute and, and connect back to what Pastor Bill's been teaching us about David's tent. David's tent, David's tabernacle. How many of you were here for those teachings or you listened to them online? They're available online in the orchardministry.org. You can connect there and, and catch them if you didn't. But David's tabernacle, we, we talked about how he just set up a tent. All things that happened before with the tabernacle were, you know, there was prescribing of killing of animals and all of this stuff just for, for one person to be able to enter the presence of the Lord one day out of the entire year. But David sets it all up with 24-7 worship and singers and instruments, musicians, and all of this with just a tent and the ark. And nobody dies. Nobody's killed. And Anybody that can go in experiences the presence of God. And David has the presence of God right there in Zion, on Mount Zion. David saw something. He saw something from afar, from a distance. 
and he reached for it and pulled it into his day because before it had to be sacrifices of animals but David only offered up sacrifices of praise and it was acceptable to God Pastor Bill taught us that David knew to do that because of the prophets the prophets heard it from God and the prophets shared it with David and David believed the prophets and acted on what the prophets said he had an unction in his spirit that that was right he had a heart to pursue God he had a heart after God and there's that scripture pastor Bill taught us believe the prophets and you shall be established firm ground believe the prophets and you will be established and what I'm trying to say is is in trying to close rapidly here as David saw something was able to pull it into the future into now into his now now it's history Jesus comes into the earth and walks the earth as a man he shows us what God is like and he also gives us an example of what it is to live in a human body full of the Spirit of God that is completely available to each of us to walk as a human being full of the Spirit of God following the example of Jesus Christ and and we live in a world that's full of brokenness and corruption but we're like David in that place where we can pull heaven into the earth we can pull heaven into Milton by faith by seeing the unseen by seeing what heaven is like in the spirit in our hearts perceiving perceiving what that is by the Holy Spirit and by faith pulling it into this earth into this life into this town into our families I, I just I feel the burden of that Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand because he came because he busted in on the scene and he brought heaven to earth in his own life and his own body by the Spirit of God he says the kingdom of God is at hand you can grasp hold of it yes. it's within your reach do you believe that yes. you know the first disciples I think it was in Antioch was the first place that they were called Christians and we have this understanding of what that means now but it's totally different from what they were they were they were called Christians they were called little Christ as a derogatory term because they were going around walking like Jesus did may we be accused of the same thing let me let me close with um, he, let's turn the page and go to Hebrews 12 verse 2 Hebrews 12 2 says well let me let me start with one Hebrews 12 therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us verse 2 fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and just keying in on as we're talking about seeing faith or faith that sees fixing our eyes on Jesus that that word fixing our eyes on Jesus it's like this consider and look attentively at him and I love this part decisively looking away from other things to purposely look away from other things so that you can focus on the one the one with a capital O one him fixing your eyes on Jesus that's our key with the eyes of our heart to fix our eyes on him you know when when Tim first asked me to start uh, helping with uh, seeing and stuff with worship on Sunday mornings the first few times I was up here first few Sundays when we started uh, 
I was having a hard time because I was seeing people. You know, I don't like being in front. I, you know, I, when I first started going to Eagle's Nest, I, I sat as close to the front as I could so all the people would be behind me. I wouldn't be distracted by them. And, I'm, and I, I was standing up here for the first time, and I, all I was seeing was people. And I was really having a hard time focusing on him the first few times. And, and, I, and right in the middle of a song, my heart cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, please help me. I don't want to focus on people. I want to focus on you. And he did something inside of me. He, he answered my prayer just like that. And I had all of a sudden, I had this like, this, this like tractor beam of just focusing on him. And I'm trying with all my, my heart when I'm up here, even now, just trying to focus on him. We have to lay our eyes on him. Set ourselves at our listening post to hear his voice. And somebody, I heard somebody say that the Lord has eyes of fire. Look for those eyes of fire. And fix your eyes on him. Determine you're going to look away and just focus on him. When you go into that hospital room and you see a little baby covered in tumors and lots of tubes in and out of that child in intensive care, determine in your heart you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus and just know what he knows. And so now I want to ask you as we, as we, as we close, and, and I don't want the answer spoken to me. I want you right now, close your eyes, focus, see if you can see the Lord's face in your heart. Search for those eyes of fire with your heart. And you tell him if you're a candidate for that. Lord, we want to see you that way. We want to lock our eyes on you and not be disturbed distracted or moved by anything else. We want to see you with the eyes of our heart. We want to hear you. We want our spiritual senses trained. Just like Jesus did. He only, we know, the scripture tells us, he only did what he saw you do. He only spoke what he heard you say. Help us develop, Lord God, that type of divine intimacy with you. And make us fruitful, Lord, as we begin to obey and carry that out. Seal this in the hearts of your people, God. And confirm it in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Gaining Strength podcast today. It is my prayer that you have been encouraged and edified by this message. And may the Holy Spirit continue to strengthen you as he builds us up into the body of Christ. If you would like to share a prayer request or a concern, I can be reached at the following email address, gainingstrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cheryl Truitt, your host for the Gaining Strength Podcast. And may you be strengthened as you walk in love, truth, and faith. Mm -hmm.